Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. Whether you're a longtime follower of Christ or just beginning to explore who Jesus is, we invite you to join us as we dive deep into God's Word and what He has to teach us today. So listen in as we jump into what God has in store. All right. Well, I just want to say this as we uh, get started. Um, obviously, um, thank you, Kaylee, for kind of give, giving us that, the list of things. Uh, don't forget, next Sunday night is also a time for us to just gather in worship across all of our campuses. Uh, there, we're going to host a, a worship night here uh, at this campus, but it'll be uh, folks from all of our campuses. So we really want you guys to show up and be, you know, be a be staples here for, for that night as we worship together. But I, I, as, as we were singing, and I'm looking across the room, and I know there's new faces. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, new, new folks that maybe this is your first time. You've come just a couple of times, and maybe you're just figuring out if this is home. Certainly fill out that Connect card. We'd love to connect with you. But I just, and I'm just looking across the room, and I, I, I am so happy to be here. I, literally, as I was thinking about it, I, looking at some of your faces and just there, there's zero places on the face of the earth right this minute that I would rather be than with you guys in this place together, worshiping the Lord and opening up his word together. And I'm like, you, know, you got to say that. No, I don't have to say that. I could have not said this. This is not part of what I, I was planning on saying this morning. But I just, I just really want you all to know. I just, man, it's so exciting to be, to be here, to be able to worship with you guys uh, and to be able to just celebrate what God's doing uh, and, and, and do that with, with you. So um, thank you for being here this morning. Thanks for uh, being a part of this sermon series. We are in a, in a four-week series, and this is the last week that we're talking about heaven. If you haven't been able to, if maybe this is your first week or you didn't catch the first couple, uh, all of those are online. You can grab those uh, either from our Franklin campus where you'd hear from Pastor Jeff or uh, from, from this campus. There's just audio files so you can listen to those on a drive or something. Uh, I'd love for you to catch up that way. But this morning, uh, what we've talked about so far is, is what is heaven? We've talked about uh, how do I go to heaven? Uh, last week we, we we answered the question: Is what will heaven be like, or what will we do in heaven? Uh, and and that, I, I really that was one. Uh, honestly, uh, there was so much there. I apologize. Uh, I, I said this last week. I apologize. Like we 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 spent a lot of time together last week uh, talking through those things, uh, and there was we only scratched the surface. And so I mentioned if you if you are interested more in in what Scripture says about heaven and those kind of things, I. I recommend uh, a book called Heaven uh, by Randy Alcorn. It's a fantastic resource. Uh, he can answer so many questions. And his, uh, his website is Eternal Perspective. I think I'm saying that right, eternalperspective.com. Uh, and um, he answered like a lot of the stuff that's in his book. He kind of fleshes out a little more there. So I, I recommend that resource uh, to you guys. This week and our final week, we're going to talk about uh, the, the question that we're asking and answering uh, is when will heaven come? I know you're excited uh, because I told you last week, I'm going to tell you the date and the time, and uh, this is going to be great. Uh, I told the band earlier that we missed it, and that's, uh, that's sad. Uh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, I'm not going to tell you the date and the time. That, that obviously, we don't know that. Um, but we're just, what, we'll, what do we know from Scripture, and, and what, can we, what can we learn? I would say, honestly, this week I was, I was thinking about this. We're, we're a pretty spoiled group of people, and I'm not talking about you specifically. Don't be offended. Uh, I'm talking about us as humans in general in this time in history that we're in, right? And I, I would venture to say that all, that at every spot in history, people have made this kind of, this kind of statement. But I mean, just think about what we have access to right now. 
right? Just, just for instance, it's pretty ridiculous that on the, with my cell phone right now, I literally can track where my children are at all times, right? Can you imagine those of you who are a little older, your parents having that ability? Ah, that's horrible, Right? And actually there's certain places that when my family goes through, like there's a spot on, on the road that when they go through that, if they're in the car with somebody else, it pops up and says, they just went through this place. And I'm like, that's hilarious that I can know those things. Here, 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 what else is pretty interesting? And I'm doing this just to really make you mad. This Chick-fil-A app that I have on my phone, and I'm, I'm like a superior member of the Chick-fil-A community. Uh, and that means I've spent way too much money. Um, but it's sad right now, it kind of tells you that you can't order anything. Like, so I'm really trying to stir this up, then they can pay me for all of you going to Chick-fil-A tomorrow. But I can order from this device and I can legitimately track my chicken as it goes through the kitchen and is brought out to me by that smiling-faced Chick-fil-A employee that delivers that heavenly fried chicken to me and then lets me know that it was actually their pleasure to bring it to me. Like, no, it's my pleasure to eat it, but thanks. As they float out on their heavenly cloud, Joel is one of the, is a, is a Chick-fil-A employee, the guy who plays, uh, who plays keys for us. And I've seen him float out on heavenly clouds as he delivers Chick-fil-A, it's pretty awesome. But you think about it, like there's, it's ridiculous, the things that we have at our hands that we can know so much we ordered pizza for my kids last night as Rebecca and I went out uh, on a date with another couple and, and we literally could track and the moment that it arrived at the door, we we're like, you've got it, it's there, woohoo. You know, like it's, it's exciting. I, I, can, I can order something on Amazon and it tells me, like it'll let me know when it shows, they'll send me a picture. Like it's terrible, the things that we can know that is at our fingertips. We can track down to the second of when things are gonna be here. And obviously when it comes to scripture, when it comes to, to the question of when will heaven come, we don't have the luxury of tuning into an app or downloading something, some dashboard that will tell us when things are going to show up. And we, we don't have that luxury. But what we do, what I, what I hope we can do as we focus on scripture, as we look to scripture today, is in scripture find some encouragement. As we focus on this question of when will heaven come and close us out, find some encouragement by the hope that heaven delivers to us, by the hope that, that people that, that are believers, Christians throughout history have held on to the hope that we find in Scripture. And if you have your Bibles and you want to turn, Thessalonians chapter 4 is our text this morning, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to begin working, begin by reading this passage. And then we've got a couple of things. If you have your worship guide, we can follow along. That I just want to make sure we just kind of work through uh, talking about when will heaven come and what we can know and what we how we respond to what we do know today. So this is the word of the Lord, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse Verses 13 through 18 it begins this way. It says, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who has no hope. Now, listen, it doesn't say that we don't grieve. It just says that we don't grieve like the rest who don't have hope because we have hope. Listen, verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring Jesus, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, 
who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangels and with a trumpet's call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught, caught up together with him in the clouds and will meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with him forever. We will be, we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we recognize even as we, as we gather here this morning that your word is the authority over us. That God, we submit ourselves, we submit our lives, we submit our minds and our understanding to you and to your word. And we ask you to open our eyes and help us to see, to awaken our souls to the beauty of your word. That God, in this, especially as we talk about heaven, that you would awaken us to the joys of heaven, to what is to come. And ignite in us a, a desire to know you more and to love you more deeply and to follow you in obedience more faithfully because of what we can find and learn in your word. And Lord, for those this morning that may be here that are still questioning what it means to have a relationship with you, we pray that these words themselves would be. God, as we look at your word and preach from this, God, that we would be reminded and that, we, that you would awaken our hearts to the relationship that you have offered us through your son, Jesus Christ, and the hope of glory that comes in that relationship for all who put their faith in you. God, be glorified in our song, in the sermon, and in the time that we spend together this morning. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. If you're following along on your worship guide, the first thing that's there, first kind of the blank that you want to fill out as we work through this is, is this, that, that there will be a day. We don't know when the day is, but we know that there will be a day. And their, their following is that heaven is the promise of hope. That we don't grieve as those that are without hope because we have the promise of heaven. We have the promise that hope is to come. Like, right, when, when it was the, for the joy that was set before him, for the hope that was set before him, the Lord endured the cross. We today know that heaven is coming, so therefore we have hope, and heaven is the promise of that hope. As we kind of think about the, this whole, what, what heaven is going to be like, and, and when we go to heaven, and all those things, it's interesting that, that the end times, things, things about the end times have been stuff that people have talked about for, for centuries and centuries. Even Paul, when he writes to the Thessalonians, even the language that he uses indicates that he, he believes that the end is near. The language that he uses there, that, that for all of history, that we, for all of the centuries since Christ has come and, and, and ascended into heaven, I believe that all generations at some level have believed that God was going to come back in their time. If you search the internet, you can find lots of really interesting people. I'm using interesting as kind of political and and. Maybe to be nice, they're not all interesting. Some of them are just weird. People who will tell you with charts and all the reasons why God's going to come back at this day and this time. Like, we don't get to know that. But the study of those things, when people looking forward to those things, has been something that, that has happened since Jesus has returned, since Jesus ascended into heaven. I can remember 
When I was in college, there was a young lady that I was dating uh, that asked a question that scared me to death. She asked me how many kids I wanted to have uh, when, I, when we got married. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> uh, God's going to come back before that happens. Um, and so that was, I was frightened. She didn't think that that was a funny response at all. Uh, she also didn't think it was funny a couple weeks later when I was like, God also told me that this is over. So um, the, uh, it was like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we don't have to worry about the kid thing. The, um, but the study of the end times, the question about the end times has been something that has, has, has interested people. And the study of that, the word there is as eschatology or the study of the end of what comes at the end, the final events. And, and here's the deal with eschatology. And, and I, listen, A, I'm not smart enough to work through it all. B, I don't think it's the best use of our time to work through all of the different theories and, and, and different spots throughout, throughout history that people have, have kind of introduced as, as ways to understand what's going to happen in the end. There's been so many debates. There's books written about these things. The, the, some of the debates have been with the gloves off where people really just get mean about it. So I don't think it's the most useful time for us this morning. I'm not saying it's not good use of your time. If you want to say, I don't think it's the most useful, most important thing for us to, to work through this morning. I think what's most important is for us to go to scripture and ask scripture what we can know about when Christ returns. The fact that there is a when, that we know that there is when, that God is coming back. And this, remember what we can know from Scripture. We said this last week. If you were here, you remember this, that, that while the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we want to know, it does tell us everything that we need to know. And so the fact that it doesn't tell us these things, it means that we don't need to know that. But it does tell us everything that we do need to know, that there will be a day. In Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11, it says that after this, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, he was taken up before their eyes, the disciples and those that were there into the clouds, and they hid, him, hid them from his sight. In verse 10, it says they were looking intently into the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white, what we assume are angels, and they, they respond to these men who are the, the disciples and those the followers that were there at his ascension. It says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has, taken, who, who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. The promise is that he will come back. In Thessalonians, what we just read, he, Paul writes it. He says, he, he says it's going to come back for the Lord himself will come down from heaven and it will be a loud command and the voice of the archangels and the trumpet call of God and the dead of Christ will rise. He will come back. More, but just little reminders, that, that confidence that we have that he is coming back, that there is a win. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 says, we will appear a second time. Not to, he will appear a second time, not to bear our sins because he's already done that, but to bring salvation to those who've awaited him, to bring the final salvation for us to be with him forever. First John, John writes this, dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not been yet made known, but we know that when Christ appears, to confidence that he will appear and that when he appears, we shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Revelation, Jesus himself records, Jesus himself says these words to John that John records for us in Revelation that yes, I am coming soon. You go back to the book of John, the gospel of John, John writes these words from Jesus. And if I go to prepare a place from you, I will come back 
to take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. We long for that day. We, we know that it's, that, that it's coming. We, we, we can have confidence in its coming, but we also know some things about the day when he comes. It tells us in, in 2 Peter that the, that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Jesus isn't hiding what he knows from us. It tells us in, in Matthew, he speaks to the disciples. Matthew records it for us. He says, he says so all, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him, when you do not expect him. He's not hiding it from us. He's, he tells us that he's going to come when you don't expect him. And he tells us, secondly, in verse 24, if you, if you go back up a little bit, verse 36, he says, but the, the day and the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, meaning Jesus doesn't know. I don't know how that is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't understand it, but I know that he's saying it, and so i got to believe that it's a truth, and he's not lying to us. But only the Father knows. So we know some things about the day, that it comes like a thief in the night, that, that, that will come when we don't expect it, and that not even the Son knows when it's going to come. And more and more as we read through Scripture, it's clear that, that it will come suddenly. That, that what, what else that we know that, it, that it, it will come suddenly. Nobody expects it. That it will come like a thief in the night. That not only not, that the angels and Jesus, but we know that nobody's going to miss it. If you go to Revelation verse, verse one, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Look, he is coming in the clouds and everyone will see him. If you go back to the first coming of Jesus... As we studied that just a couple of months ago, or a couple of months ago, as we were working through uh, at Christmas and talking about the advent of, of Christ, his first coming, the reality is that Jesus slipped into creation largely unnoticed. You know, there was angels that sang to shepherds on a hillside. There was a star that, that attracted some wise men from afar. But outside of a very few people, it was very unnoticed. That will not be how it is in the second coming. No one will miss it. Everyone, it says, every eye will see him when he comes again. The advent, his first advent, he slipped in and, and, and into creation where that he created to rescue us. But when he comes back to save us, to rescue us eternally and bring us to be with him, there will not be an eye that misses that moment. We don't know when it'll come, but we do know that it'll come, and we know that nobody will miss it. Nobody will be surprised in that moment of what's happening. And that Christ is coming, and, and, he, and, and, and that we know it won't go unnoticed, even though we, it'll come like a thief in the night. And we can land in this hope that, that the when that he is coming is our hope, that, there, that, that heaven is the hope for us as we live the life that we live today. That Christians may argue about the when, but there's no argument about the fact that when will come. And so we have the second question. The second part of the question is not only we know that there will be a day. The second thing is that, oh, what a day it will be. Right? Oh, what a day it will be that heaven is the, etern is, is the hope eternally fulfilled. That heaven is hope eternally fulfilled. And we sang this song just a second ago. I don't, I don't, if you, maybe you were outside when we had that Southern gospel kind of medley moment. It was so much fun. I wish we could just come and do it again. It was great. The, the band did such a great job. But it, the, the words of the song, it says, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus. 
that we will sing and shout the victory. This is what a day it will be when we all get to be in heaven. Those who have put their faith in Jesus and have trusted him for salvation. That day when, when, he, when the dead in Christ will rise and those who are alive will be called up with him in the clouds. Oh, what a day it will be. Just the beginning of eternity, truly for all of us who are believers in Christ, those who have put their faith in Jesus, the words, the best is yet to come, is not a trite saying. It's not, a, not something just to help us get over today. It is the truth as, as, it is the, as true as true is, if that makes any sense. There's nothing more true that the best for all of us who have put our faith in Jesus is yet to come. I can't promise you that this will be your best year ever. I can't promise that everything's going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. I can promise that you're going to face frustration, but I know what else I can promise is that there will be a day. And when that day comes, oh, what a day it will be. That that, that truly will be the best that is yet to come. You may have lots of great days between now and then, but there's nothing that will compare to the best that God has for us when that day comes. And we sense it now. We sense, we sense that there's something better for us. We, we long for it, right, when we face those troubles, but we will know those things in that day. We will know all those things that we've longed for. We sense it now and our hearts are not satisfied with the shadow of things that are here today, but, but, but because the shadow was never meant to satisfy us. It was always meant to awaken our hearts to something that was far greater, to point us to something, to the one who is far greater and to the time when we will be with him forever and experience all that our hearts desire, that it is the fulfillment, the eternal fulfillment of the hope that our hearts have today. In that day, everything, everything that our hearts have longed for, every, everything these shadows have pointed to will be ours, everything forever for everyone who has put their faith in Jesus. Oh, what a day it will be. First Corinthians, it says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, when the mortal has, has with the immortal, then the saying that is written will come true that death has been swallowed up in victory. Isaiah says that, that he, meaning God, will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe the tears from our eyes and from, the, from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, he will wipe every tear from their eye. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the older things have passed away. And just a side note, just real quick, just think about what he says in Revelation that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The tenderness, the compassion of God himself wiping away the tears that fill your eyes, the sorrow that fills your heart. God himself, not sending somebody else to do it, not because he has more important things to do, no. Him, creator of heaven and earth, Important, you are important enough that he's wiping the tears from your eyes. Just a tender moment of just the reality for us that, oh, what a day. I'm about to say something that's pretty profound. So buckle up, this is gonna be good. That when things end, they end. Right? 
the movie's over, it's over. Unless you go to a Marvel movie and then you got to wait for the rest of the things and then it's, it's not over till it's actually over and then it's over, but it, whatever. When things end, they end. When the movie's over, it's over. When life ends, it ends, right? That's the, the way that we've, we've experienced things, right? When, we, when things run out, you, 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 eat, you eat dinner and it's gone and that's all of it. It's over. That's the way we experience life, but that's not what Scripture tells us, that, that for those of us who are in Christ, when the end comes, it's just the beginning. It's that, that when the end comes, when, when we die and, and are, are the dead are in Christ and those who will be alive when he comes back and calls us up to be with him in the clouds forever, whatever that looks like, and we've talked about that, that that's just the beginning. C.S. Lewis in, in the, the, the final book in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle, at the very end, he gives this incredible description, this beautiful illustration of what heaven will be like. And, and he tells me, like, he know, obviously he knows that this is not, he's just giving us an illustration. But it is a beautiful illustration. And all the characters that are, you meet throughout the Narnia Chronicles, all those, all those people, except one, find themselves transported to life after this life. And they're trying to make sense of it all. And there's this sweet exchange between Aslan and Lucy, who's the cute little girl in the beginnings of them, right? And she, where he explains, where Aslan, kind of this Christ character, explains this. And Lewis closes, explains what's going on. And Lewis closes the book. In the last battle, he says this, that as he was speaking, meaning Aslan was speaking to them, specifically to, to Lucy, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things but the things that, that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot even write them. And as for us, that's the end of all the stories. And we can almost truly say that, most truly say that, that they lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. After their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia, had only been, after all, their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which, is, which no one on earth has ever read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Because the best is truly yet to come where our hope is eternally fulfilled and the story goes on for eternity, only ever getting better. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. There will be a day. We, we understand when is coming and when it comes, oh, what a day it will be. And until that day is the next thing that we need to look at. What do we do until that day in response to the fact that there is a day and what a day it will be until that day that we have heaven is our hope for the journey that we have today. Heaven is the hope that we have. Heaven is the hope for the journey that we find ourselves in today until that day. Heaven is the hope for our journey. And scripture gives us so much understanding of how we live the life that we, that we are called to live in this place until that day comes. And, and, and honestly, this is over the next couple of minutes, what I want to do is just kind of read through scripture and give us just a, a little picture from scripture of what he's called us to. And so just, just sit with me. The scripture will be on the screen. Just sit with me because I, I don't think I can... There's no way I can explain it in a short amount of time. So I'm hopeful that scripture will kind of give us that picture. This is what it says in Titus we, the first thing is that we flee from sin and walk in obedience. Titus chapter 2. It said, for the grace of God has appeared 
that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearance and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself that a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That we flee from sin and we walk in obedience to live self-controlled, self-controlled, upright and godly lives that we wait eagerly. It says in Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven, meaning we don't, yes, we, are, we, are, we live in this place and our citizenship by, by law is here, but ultimately we as believers are a part of a citizenship that, that spans far greater than the United States and has people from all nations and tribes and tongues, right? That this, our citizenship is in heaven. And it says, and we eagerly await, we wait with eagerness, we eagerly await the Savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. That we experience frustration while we're here. We eagerly await, but we also experience frustration. In in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 through 21, it says, for the creation waits in eager expectation, again, for the children of God to be revealed, for the creation is subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from the bondage to decay and to be brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. That he subjects us to, to these frustrations so that, oh, hopefully, that it opens our eyes to, the, to that reality that we were meant for some place that doesn't experience these frustrations that we would put our faith in him, that we keep that pain and that suffering in perspective. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. One perspective on this, and again, just kind of a couple of those folks, Randy Alcorn, C.S. Lewis, that, that looking at those two individuals, and, and I promise I looked at other resources besides just those two, but, but those two both made this comment uh, about, that, about that struggle that we face and why we need an understanding of suffering and heaven to, to really live the life that, we've, that we have today. It says, truly, I believe, a weak understanding of heaven results in a faith that cannot stand up in the face of suffering. So it's so important for us to walk through, to talk about, to fix our eyes on heaven because that allows us to stand up under suffering. What we just read, that even though we outwardly are wasting away, we know that this is achieving for us something that's far greater than these momentary things, a heaven that is that where we don't experience these things anymore. So we have to fix our eyes on the eternal and understand what's happening for us now because it helps us walk through suffering. And some of you I know have walked through some significant suffering. Maybe you're walking through it right now. The best thing for us to do is be reminded that our hope eternally fulfilled is not in this place, but in the place that God has, has prepared for us. That we keep our eyes fixed on heaven. How we, we keep that pain in perspective by keeping our eyes fixed on heaven. Second Corinthians says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is, is temporary, but what is unseen is, tor- is tempor- temporary. We make the most of the days that we have. In Ephesians, Paul writes, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
that in 2 Peter, he writes that we hasten the day, that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we remember what Jesus said in understanding hastening the day and him not being slow. What Jesus tells us that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world and the testimony to all nations and then the end will come. This is one of the reasons why we talk about evangelism. When we talk about sharing the gospel, that it's our responsibility, not me, not just me, right? It is my responsibility, but it has nothing to do with my position as a pastor. It's my position as a child of God to share the gospel with others. And so you, being a child of God, you also have a responsibility to share the gospel, to tell the good news. Just like the shepherds, when they met Jesus, it changed their life so much that they couldn't keep it quiet. You see the disciples doing the same. We as disciples have got to share the gospel. Why? Because it hastens the day. It's the reason why we make such a big deal about going to the Amazon and going to Moldova and joining in a mission trip. Why? And, and in a couple of months, I'm going to, I'm going to go to a jungle pastor's conference in, in Brazil in the, in the Amazon. And I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to go be with those pastors who legitimately are taking to the gospel to places that none of us will ever go to hasten the day. So you can do it with your neighbor They can do it with those that are in these jungles. And as as we pursue that and put a fire inside of us to hasten the day, as much as we share the gospel with those who are there, that we are witnesses, that we stand and share the gospel with them, we hasten the day because God wants to come back. And he's not slow, but he's patient because he wants none to perish. We know that some will, that there's a day of judgment And some will not be with him for eternity, but he desires all to hear the the truth of the gospel. And so we hasten that day when we share the gospel truth with our neighbors and our kids and go on trips where we share those truths. There's nothing wrong, listen, there's nothing wrong with being interested in the end times. We live today in light of eternity and we want to we re- remind ourselves of what is to come. But the heart of eschatology, the heart of studying the end times is not timetables that predict when and where and how it's going to happen. It's not detailed charts about Christ's return. Rather, the heart of the study of end times while we study heaven is that, that in thinking about the end times, that it renews and deepens our commitment to discipleship, to serving others, to missions and sharing the gospel and reaching the lost. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, it's not to paralyze us in in staring and waiting for his return, but we fix our eyes on Jesus to to prepare us and to propel us to be busy about the work and preparing others for his return. And so it brings us to the last thing, the importance that we do not miss or that we don't miss the importance of today. There will be a day and oh, what a day it will be. And what do we do until that day? We trust and we, we, we put our hope in him, right? We, until that day, we, we, there's hope for the journey, but, but we cannot miss the importance of today. And that the hope of heaven is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That the hope of heaven is only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I don't have an app that, can, that I can track the coming of Jesus. I actually looked for one. I thought that certainly somebody has put one up that we could put on our phones and we could track when Jesus is coming back. That hasn't happened. Uh, I don't think, uh, I, maybe, uh, maybe Apple is just rejecting it because they know it's stupid. But whatever, uh, the, there's not an app. That I can't go to some dashboard to find out when, it's gonna come, when Jesus is coming like my pizza did last night. I can't do those things. And we can't know, right, when is heaven going to come is a great question. And, and there's plenty of people who are going to ask it. And that, I'm glad that we asked that question. But a better question is, are you going to be ready when he comes? Are you going to be ready when he comes? Not ready with all of your good works, but ready with a relationship with him that has said, I have nothing to bring. I only, I come repenting of my sin and lay all of my stuff down at your feet because you and you alone are the only way to have new life and to have a hope of heaven. We can't know when he's going to come, but we can be ready. No one can know, but anyone can be ready for that day. Each week as we've kind of closed out, we've had an opportunity for you to, to go and talk to somebody, somebody on our prayer team. And our prayer team is going to be something that you see more and more every week. We want to make sure that there's people available that are on our prayer team in the back of the room uh, as the service ends. But we've been very specific in, in this series because there's been very clear calls to say, hey, if, you, if we're talking about heaven and you're very interested in the end times, but, but ultimately there's no hope for you if you don't have a relationship with heaven. This is all stuff for somebody else if you've not put your faith in Jesus. And I know that sounds, maybe that you're like, man, that sounds a little harsh. Yes, that's fine. Be mad at me. But you'd, I'd rather you be mad and feel like that's harsh today and put your faith in Jesus than me tell you, no, it's okay and you spend an eternity separated from him because I didn't tell you the truth. The truth is, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no hope. You're gonna have some good days and I hope you really enjoy them because the best is not yet to come for you. But you can have a relationship with Jesus. Christ has made a way through his life, death, and resurrection for us. When we, when we trust him, when we repent of our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And though we were far from him, he brings us near and he makes us new creations and we become children of God where we were enemies. And if you have not made that step yet, today is the day. Don't miss the importance of today because we don't know when Christ will return. We can know a lot of things about it, but we don't know when it's going to come. And that's a gamble that I don't think that you're ready to take. And so as we close this time and, and just we'll transition to some other things, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to ask our prayer team to be in the back and, and just be ready. If you just want to have a conversation about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to go and just connect with somebody. They'll have a, a, a prayer team uh, tag or a, a lanyard on so you'll know who to go to. Uh, I'd love for you just to go have a conversation with them uh, and, and just talk, talk to them about those next steps. And just maybe you're just having questions. That's great. Questions are awesome. Let's talk about it and, and, and begin a conversation about what God's doing. I believe if you really are beginning those conversations, man, the Lord's working in your heart in such a way that he's going to bring that to fruition. So let's, let's do that. I'm going to pray for, for that. I'm going to ask our prayer team to kind of be available in the back during that. Uh, and then we'll, we'll move towards uh, taking communion together as we celebrate that uh, this morning. Lord, we thank you for 
your grace and mercy and God, all that you're doing in this space, in this room this morning. As we gather, Lord, and are reminded the fact that, that you came and you gave your life so that we could have life. But not just life here, but life eternal. And that we can trust that there will be a day, a day that you return and come and bring us back to be with you as just as you said, because you prepared a place for us. We can trust that and we know that that will be a day. Oh, what a day it will be. And until that day, God, we want to live lives that glorify you. Live lives that point others to you. And God, I pray that right now in this moment, the most important thing that there's, I'm sure there are those in this room that the step that they need to take is to put their faith in you. And I pray that you would move in such a way to awaken hearts and move them to put their faith in you this morning. Ignite in us a desire to walk more faithfully in obedience to you, to love you more deeply. Stir in us those things. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you want to learn more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.